man, what do you do when you're trying to do your best EFT and you're trying to validate one person, but you know validating them is going to totally set off the other person? What do you do? That's what we're going to talk about back in the Stuck series. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, y'all. It's been a we've been busy. We've been moving around. It's been a while since we could have me and Ryan back in the studio at the same time. But I'm so glad that we could have Nicola on. We got to have Dr. Julia Conroy on. And uh, but now Ryan and our Cindy Zane, Cindy Zane, great episodes, very great episode. Yeah. But now we're back, Ryan. Good to have you back, Ryan. Yeah, for real, thank man. you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's been on the road. He's been mm-hmm. in Montana. I've heard great things about that community there mm-hmm. and the work that they're doing. And so, yeah. Yep. Shout out to my friends in Montana. Yeah. Had definitely. a big externship and set up for some core skills. So great folks out there. That's a happening place, EFT wise. There you go. But this topic today, so we're back in our stuck series. We know we, I feel like that Timberland line is like, I know it's been a long time since we left you without a dope beat to step to. Anyway. Oh, okay. Here we go. We're back in the Stuck series, though. Um, and this one came up, uh, one, in a conversation with Nicola, who's also a therapist. And and then I saw it pop up in a consultation session I was doing. And it is, what happens? What do you do? Because this is where you can't get stuck. And I've been stuck here before. So this is not even putting it on them. I've been stuck here. When you know validating one person in their attachment experience or their attachment protection or the reactivity that's coming up in session to validate it also puts you in a bind with the other partner. What do you do with that? Because the mistake you can make is no to little validation with one person. So then you almost miss a tune with them. Um, yeah. So what do you do there? And we'll get practical with it later, but that's just, that's kind of, I don't know if you can see if you've seen that or you've been through that yourself, Ryan. Oh Yeah. I've never been to an EFT training where this wasn't asked. This might be the number one question that gets asked. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's several answers to it, but I think, I think I'd start off by just talking about self, the therapist actually, you know, and it's not something that we talk about a lot, but as an EFT therapist, we, we got to have some security with ourself, you know, <laughs> attached to something whether it's a person at home or a spiritual figure or some way to hold on to yourself and kind of have that non-anxious presence. Cause I've got to find a way to be responsive without being reactive. And, uh, this is really what happens in those moments is it, is it activates our regulation system. And, um, you know, the, the easy answer is you got to trust the process. So you get better and better at and better at managing this fearful scenario. And it is fearful. Let's be clear. You can tell. When that that really leaning into one person's experience does not feel good to the other. And, you know, if if you do it long enough and you're successful with it, you trust it. If you haven't done this very long, it's hard to trust. So, but, you know, this goes back to, you know, some of our fundamental pieces here around uh, alliance and how we do alliance. This is unique to EFT. A lot of couples therapists were taught to remain neutral and have an objective stance, don't triangulate, 
which is a that part is a good one. The neutral thing, I would say, at least from an EFT lens, do not stay neutral. So don't triangulate as good, meaning I'm not going to take one side. And I, and I get that question a fair amount, too, on Facebook especially. I got got asked twice at recent trainings, you know, what do you do if you're working with one side? And honestly, they're right. I'm like, what I do is realize I just got lost in the cycle with them, mm. right? So we don't want to triangulate and, and take take one's position as opposed to the other. Um, but if you stay neutral, remember that remember that little video we watched on day one of externship where there's a, a mother and a child and the mother's interacting with the child and then Ed Tronic says, okay, now still face. And the mom still faces and the baby kind of goes through every protection strategy <laughs> known to humans. And uh, that's what you do when you stay neutral. Mm. So if I'm working with you and Nicola, and I'm trying to lean into Nicola's experience, and I know it bothers you, I got to keep going. I got to keep going because I've got to unload the gun, so to speak, of Nicola's protection. Or if I leave that too early without, without finishing that, or I, I say finish, without thoroughly validating that, mm -hmm. then it's just going to be there again. And who pays the price for that? Well, both of you do. So yeah. that's another question is what's the price of not doing this? which is you don't have any movement. You just kind of keep moving the same cycle around your office, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. in EFT, we want to lean all the way into Nicola's experience with a full affect assembly, my full matched reflection, you know, letting it hit me, looking at the good reasons she has for her experience to where her body can kind of take that in and, and resonate with me and what that does is it, it it does a lot of great things for her body and our alliance. Mm -hmm. And now, but I've ruptured with you. Yep. And this is going to be a whole episode, which I'm excited about. I've actually got a call scheduled with Sue Johnson uh, day after tomorrow to talk about. I want I want to see what some of her language is before we come on here. But at times, you have to be willing to rupture an EFT. That's a big theme that I'm seeing with it, with advanced EFT therapists. As you break down tape, this is kind of where they get stuck. So I'll leave that where that is. Mm -hmm. But um, I've got to I've got to be willing to go ahead and rupture with you, James, mm -hmm. to fully unpack your partner's experience, mm -hmm. knowing that I can come back and facilitate a repair. That's James, right. I know that was hard to hear. I know you have a completely different experience of this, and I can't wait to find out, you know, your side of this. Can you give me just a minute? To finish here, so it's 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 a it's a rupture and it's a repair, and that's actually <clears throat> modeling what secure connection is in any relationship. I th thank you for that, Ryan. That's a good one. And so I think this just happened to me, even just recently with a couple. Right, no surprise. I think this is what makes relationship relational work hard is that you're always you know when they're stuck in the negative cycle, the negative cycle. Especially when we're offering validation. We're validating something that the negative cycle is telling the other person's nervous system is horrible and it's bad and it must be eradicated. So then it's hard for them to trust that we're saying something like, hey, I so get in this moment when this cycle kicks up that you just need to get some space. That space is your way to try and find your words. That space is your way to calm your nervous system down so that way you don't kind of do what you don't react or things don't blow up. I really appreciate that. The negative cycle tells the other person over there, they don't care about you. If they keep taking space, they're never going to come back. 
and now you hire this therapist who's going to tell them that it's okay. Their body right. just doesn't allow them to trust that, right? Right. So <clears throat> let me tell my own personal like SLT story on this. Yeah. I got caught. Ryan's right. I love how he says I would still face. And if I'm honest, Ryan, I think it was making burnout. Because as I am working with one side, my body is attuning with them, right? And But then I get afraid. So my nervous system also warns me, like, James, can you see that person rustling in the seat next to you? They're making faces. They're rolling their eyes. And my body would be like, uh-oh. I, then I start still facing the person that's in front of me. And also try not to make eye contact with the person who's getting upset. What am I doing to my nervous system? I, to me, this is my term. Sorry, this is going to... I'm jacking up my own nervous system in a way here because I'm not allowing it to really work either way. So that's one. Um, for me, if I'm being honest, it was also ruining my effectiveness. It was taking away my effectiveness because I wasn't doing a good job with validating the experience of the client I was like working with. But also, I was not also going and grabbing and organizing or, you know, this is a term we teach on the SV side of things, terror. And I wasn't organizing the meaning of the reactivity that could be coming up for the other person who's having a protest to my validation. So I was getting no good work done on both sides. And all I was trying to do, it felt like, you know, how firefighters teach you that if there's a grease fire, don't go pour water on it. I was pour I, in a way, I thought I was calming it down, but I just kept pouring water on it because it was there. And they were in therapy to get, help it get better. But no one was like commenting on you know, what was happening there. So that's my SOT piece on it and why this episode means so much to me. And we're going to take a break and we come back from break is all right. We're going to start getting practical on how to help clear this up and clean it up. I'm writing notes right now on practical. All right. See you after this break. Do you like the content that you're hearing on this podcast? Well, we invite you to join us on successandvulnerability.com along with George Fowler, and other EFT therapists and supervisors, where you get to get more thorough insight into these concepts and actually get to see it done. Once again, join us on successandvulnerability.com. All right, so it's time to get practical here. So how do you do this when validating one partner is triggering the other partner? How do we start to get practical here, Ryan? Well, again, First of all, I've got to have enough tolerance in my body to be okay with somebody being triggered. Okay. Alliance does not mean keeping people happy all the time. That's a good nugget. That's Alliance <laughs> does not mean keeping people happy all That's the time. That's going to be our next episode, the big topic there, because you know, you you got to be the stronger, wiser other at key times. And you're not being a stronger, wiser other over your clients. This is not a power trip. You're, you're being the stronger, wiser other to protect your clients from this vicious cycle. But to do that, I've got to be okay when they're triggered. Honestly, that's it. I want people to be triggered some, right? I just don't want it. To, I want to be triggered in a safe, contained, controlled way where it doesn't actually harm them further. But secondly, the piece I want to go to is, you know, the language that we use you find a really experienced EFT -er and and you watch a tape and you slow down their language. And um, it's, it's very counterculture and that's really helpful because, you know, language like this is what you choose to do. This is what you think, right? This, this sets up this over responsibility and it implies it's the opposite of externalization. Actually mm -hmm. it's, it's, it implies intentionality. 
And that's one of the top, you know, 10 blocks in all in the EFT is, to, is when someone says, that's not my intention, which I want to validate, validate, validate. And then I want to push a little bit. Unfortunately, intentions don't convey in a cycle. It doesn't so much matter what I meant to do. The cycle gets started based on what I do. Right. So anyway, I, I, I think it's helpful. And, if you, and again, if you watch Sue, if you watch other people, um, what I would say is they're, they're interweaving or integrating, externalizing receiver language. OK, externalizing receiver language. So what I mean by that is, is in, in our assemblies, when we're tracking what is happening, which we don't spend near enough time on, let's just be honest. We, that's, that's an area of ongoing growth for all of us. You can, you can in, integrate that the cycle is doing this to the person. And if, you, and if you use language on one side and then use similar language on the other, that's a de-escalation move right there. And you do decrease, you, you, you allow it to be not so incredibly hard to hear mm-hmm. by the other party. So when you think about setting a trigger, my favorite question is, what is the very first small thing you notice? So notice my language there. I'm not saying, how do you choose to see it? You know, give your partner the benefit of the doubt, which implies they're in control of this thing, mm-hmm. right? So as, as, as opposed to that top-down approach, you know, what's the very first small thing you notice, maybe on your partner's eyes or, or in a sound that comes out of them, that's, that, that sets this up, right? So you're, you're on the receiving end of this, of something happening externally. And then over to the, for me, it's the message first most of the time. As soon as you see them roll their eyes, it instantly sends what message to you? So notice the verbiage, it sends to you, right? And then, and then just you know, drop it into emotion for me. How does this land for you or what comes up for you? Once again, it implies this is happening to you from an external source. And then the one that's the most that I've always caught is when you're going for an action tendency from this place of deep despair, what do you choose to do? No. From this place of deep, not even what do you do, from this place of deep despair, what do you find yourself doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, that language creates some safety in the room and I'm just interweaving this big reframe that you're stuck in a really predictable, difficult cycle where you're set up to miss each other. It makes it a bit less triggering. That's right. Thank you, Ryan. I like that one. And my nugget, I think that's practical. It's been influenced by EFT supervisors like Chad Imhoff. You hear us say his name. Chad will say, I always tie it back to attachment. That helps. Sometimes when we try to validate and we leave it so vague, of course you get mad. That to the other person can be triggering like, wait. Their anger is so scary to me, and at times it hasn't been good. And you're just giving mm-hmm. them license just to like be like this anger cannon all the time. Like, what's going on? So here's a way we could do that validation a little bit different. So, of course, when you're trying your best and your hope gets up that maybe you'll be able to connect with your partner and you try to talk to them, but they don't make any eye contact with you. They keep looking away. And then this anger comes up because this anger is trying to do, this anger is really your hope. This anger is trying to say, like, I want you to hear me and see me. This anger is like a cry of your disappointment mm-hmm. in a way in this place when you don't have any good move to get your partner back. Ugh, this is your body activating to try and do something with that. Am I getting that right? I'm putting it back to into attachment language. Mm-hmm. One, 
So for the person who's getting angry, but also the other person, I want them to see like, hey, this anger is not just some loose cannon that goes off at any moment at any time. They're like, oh, because most of my clients, not 100 percent, they can like, oh, yes, in that context, that makes sense. I can take that. And that make that that makes a little bit more. So for me, it pulls a little bit out. It does. I love that move. I started doing it more and more, maybe five or six years ago. I felt like my work took another step. Speaking of integrating or interweaving, just little little 10-second longings um, just kind of spread throughout. Really, really helpful. I don't like to go for longings very often in stage one. To me, it's out in front of people. To me, it invites people to hurt each other, actually. You know, I know a lot of therapists want to get positive so fast because they don't want the cycle to happen. I get why tends to have the opposite effect. So I don't go into, you know, and, and in your sadness, you really long for what to happen, right? Because you're not ready for that. What you're going to say is basically make my partner quit being a creep. Mm -hmm. But when I'm trying to climb into your experience, I love to say, I just want us to be okay. I just want there to be peace between us, or I want the closeness. Of course, I want to be close with her right until you see so those interspersing of longings, that has a really validating effect. So what I'm implying is you're a good person. You have positive intention here. You have positive attachment intention here. Mm -hmm. And most people really do. Mm -hmm. Even people who are who, you know, you can't always see it when they're in a bad space, they will still give you yeses right in the middle of being particularly cruel with each other, mm -hmm. which is a nice clue that this is actually attachment distress and not an expression of a personality disorder or something, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that instance, at least. Yeah. Right. And I know we're here to talk about like this, like struggle with validation one and other, but that's a significant game changer, Ryan. I want to, I think it's a good move for us to think about one. Uh, I, I, I am that person that goes back for clarity. I love how Ryan dispersed maybe a misguided use of longing with an escalated couple where he's directly, he's directly and vulnerably trying to solicit it to come forward. Where it's like, so in that sadness, what would your body need? What would you hope for there? That's not something we probably want to do with an escalated stage one couple. That's so vulnerable. And I've tried it before, if I'm honest. Yep. And one person, and I love the pursuer said, I don't think that's fair to ask me that yet, James. Yeah. And I was like, do you know EFT? Did you know I asked that question prematurely? <laughs> you should pay them for supervision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longings and needs, you can reference them. In small doses, but you don't really want to camp out on them on stage one, which is so counterculture, mm -hmm. or I'm so 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 counter to our profession, who often assesses with what are you needing from this relationship. Mm -hmm. I do not recommend you use that early on, not because it's not a good question, but because it's just at, very far out in front of in them. In the order of change, it's not. The, it's the, not the, there. Like George yeah. would say, it's timing. Yeah, it's like trying to go get calculus before you can add. You know, and it's you got you got to build to it. You got to you, you can't do calculus. I can't do calculus anyway, but <laughs> I, I suspect you need to be able to add and subtract a bit before you can can go up that ladder. <laughs> but but back to the other piece, you know, a metaphor comes to mind. Shocker, right? I grew up in the Delta, very very poor part of Arkansas, and uh, I had several friends who were farmers, like some of them kind of big time farmers, which I know nothing about, by the way, except this. They, they are, it's very seasonal and it's a scary profession, right? Because, you know, if the rain's too much or not enough, I mean, they have some systems in play where they can, can help. But end of the day, it, it's a, it's a, it's a risk reward kind of deal. They make a lot of money or they might not make any money. And, 
And so after harvest, after every year, one of my friends in particular, he, he, he like sells all his equipment, which is like millions of dollars, and buys, buys or leases all new tractors. Like he's done the math on, you know, what it takes to maintain and, you know, having how much quicker he can, you know, all that stuff. And, and then, you know, they, he sells his product and he makes X number of dollars. I have no idea how much, but, you know, a good amount on a good year. And then I'm like, and how much does it cost you to go get seed? And it's like a ton of money. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you spend that every year? He's like, yep, that's the game, man. We're borrowing and paying and borrowing and paying and borrowing and paying. That's just that's how this works. If you don't have enough courage to borrow, you can't have a good crop. Mm-hmm. And that's I would say that's true for us as well. I've got to have the courage to stay in here. Mm-hmm. And go finish my work with Nicola, knowing that I'm rupturing with you. So I'm borrowing my alliance from you to go really, really pay off mm-hmm. and try to decrease Nicola's protection so that that you leave my office with more of your partner. Mm-hmm. right? I'm borrowing and I'm rupturing some with you to come back and repay. Mm-hmm. And it's just an, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. This is it as long as he's farming, that's how this is going to go. Wow, that's good. Yeah. I want to come back to because I have some more practical. I want to finish one more part on that longing. I know that's not what this episode is, but I love the small way you did use it where it could be safe in one and help with some of the – because the part of the validation is that anger is trying to do something. It was wanting something, needing something, or even their protection. Because part of you, of course, you shut down and get space because you really want things to be okay. You just want to have a good time with your partner. That's a safe way, probably stage one, to use longings. It is a little bit, it's not the deepest longing, but it is a like there's a positive attachment hope there or something of that nature. Yeah. Yep. I mean, or or if you say if you say something, it's gonna get even worse and you'll be even further apart from your partner. And you don't want that. Which is which is me sort of just referencing a longing. Yeah, I like that. Now back to this borrowing and protecting. I like that. Sorry. I just thought that was a good, like, I think that's something that, thank you, Ryan, for bringing that. Borrowing and paying back, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now back to borrowing and paying back. Another one of my practical moves here is um, even if I see the other person start to kind of rustle around a little bit, I give them a quick, Mm -hmm. and I know this is an official term, I give their energy a quick, close, like, conjectured validation without, I'm not going to explore it, like, hey, Thank you so much for trying to give it space. And I can see that your body's probably activating a little bit because this isn't what how you see it on your side. On your side, you might be having a totally different experience. And this is maybe not how you hear it or see it. And I appreciate and I can see how your body's activating. It has good reasons. And I want to come over and get that, but I gotta stay here because I don't want to keep doing what the negative cycle does to the both of you, where neither one of you gets to kind of really process and be understood, and we just keep bouncing back and forth. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Can I stay here for a few more moments? Right. So I just kind of, my way is kind of commenting on the energy I see coming up. Small, quick, I'm not shifting focus yet, unless I have to for some reason. But if I don't have to, if a small, quick little validation of the energy can contain them, yeah, great. That's one of my moves. I like it, James, and mine too. And uh, if you just put yourself in that person's shoes, it is hard. There we go. To hear the professional, the doctor, you know, because they, they think everybody's a doctor. You know, they don't care, actually. <laughs> it's like the person that's trying to help us. They're hearing a story, which is the assembly of my <laughs> partner, that, that really paints them in a bad light. Yep. 
And so the body has a hard time sitting there hearing that. And so I don't, I don't, I don't think most people really want to scream at you. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to like, you know, like duly noted kind of thing that, that this is one side of the story. I got a whole different side of that story. That's almost always, I think, what happens for people. So if you, if you need to finish your work, and you probably do, then, then you can, that's a great conjecture to say, I hear you. I know this is super hard. I know you have a completely different side of the story. I promise I'm coming to you in just a minute. I just got to finish this piece of work. For most people, that's like, okay, that, that was the whole reason I was having trouble anyway, is I just didn't want this to become the final story. This is the story of, you know, that my partner's an angel and I'm a creep. And, you know, so it's like if you can just check in with that and meet, as always, meet the function of what's happening right there, usually you can continue your work. I can also tell you this. If you do let every interruption go, another reason why following the live emotion is not always the right answer. That's also live emotion. That's a live trigger. But if you follow it every time, we'll never get any organization. Mm-hmm. It'll just be the cycle will take over. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like this process somehow is predictable, right? My client used those same exact words, and they, I'm going to change names, obviously, here. Oh, so is this just going to turn into a session where it's all Susie's fault, and we're just going to rag on Susie and say what Susie needs to be fixed? Is that what we're about to do? Because I can be done with this session right now. I, I could, like, I'm doing my work. I'm getting better. And if this is what we're doing here today, I'm done. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, Susie. Susie got something to say. Right. So I just kind of went to a partner and said, hey, can you hold on a second for me, John? I really appreciate the work we've been doing. Can I check with Susie? Susie, I really appreciate it. As I'm sitting here working with John and I'm validating his experience, it did not lay in so well for your body. That to kind of be in that place, it kept what your body kept hearing in that moment was, Susie's wrong. Susie's bad. She's suff- like um, John is suffering because of all the bad things about Susie. And that's what the energy that came up for you. Am I getting that right? Now, this is one where I pushed Ryan. And I just, I just felt like this kind of my intuition said, and Susie, I know this has to be hard. Because this is, and I know their story. Susie, for you, this is a part of you that you don't like when this anger comes out of you at home. And so now as I'm sitting here working with John, and your, your eyes are getting to witness kind of how that anger impacts him. My guess is probably not so comfortable for your body because now you're, you're like literally sitting here witnessing the very part of you that you don't like to see come alive. And so I can appreciate that your body fought against. I don't like this. Am I getting that kind of close, Susie? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And, and then she, she softened. Right. She literally softened. You met the function. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just given some process analysis of that, that's a big, that's a big response. Mm-hmm. Which is which fits in some places more than others. Mm-hmm. If you're in your if you're in the partner's deeper emotion, exactly. and we got tears going on, that's too big exactly. of, a, of a block response. But you know, if there's not if we're not really going big places, we're just starting this piece. Then it's ideal. We were about ten minutes in session. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so now you've cleared a new space, yep. and and Susie doesn't have to use that big of a block in that moment. So that's an ideal. So I think that's just something to always refer back to. I want to have that form of attunement. That's good, Ryan. I, I don't know if we've done that episode yet. I'm literally confessing this. I remember we've talked about this. Like we need to have different ways to like think about small blocks, medium blocks, big blocks. We have. We, we have. did that, but you probably can't do it too often because it's hard because it's happening so fast. Yeah. And these are big time clinical decisions in the moment of how much time am I am I about to go spend on this block? And and then you know it's hard because the variables are multiple. 
What am I doing? Is there live emotion here? Which all, you know, live emotion has a shelf life. It's not going to sit there forever. You can sometimes come back to it, but not not in the same way. What did Kenny used to say? But you can restock the shelf. <laughs> you can restock the shelf. Gail Palmer says, oh, don't worry about it. You can always go back to it. I'm like, ah, you can. And something else is usually there when I get back to it. Uh, but no, it's an important point. But I, I think if you're just if you're just starting an assembly, it's not that big a deal. You're already getting that interruption. I love I love that move. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Anything else practical? Let's see. Uh, I get, I, I'm enjoying this. I'm getting lost in the story. I almost forgot about my practical list. So we've talked about this like quick client and close validation. We could sometimes just like ask the partner to pause and validate their reactive energy that might be coming up, but not we don't like that's a small block. We keep it super small, not a big response. There are sometimes it requires a big response. Mm-hmm. You know, another language that I use that you know couples kind of giggle about. Um, and then it kind of works. So I'm like, okay, I like that move because anytime someone gets playful, then then you've got safety because there's no playful without safety. Um, so anyway, I guess you could block with it, but for the most part. And so I just say, look, I know that this is hard right now, and I'm sorry, and I know this is not how you want this relationship to go. I know you two feel tremendous pressure to determine what happened on Saturday. I do not. In fact, my job is to make your whole side of this safe and your whole side of this safe. You see, I'm working with two marriages or two relationships, whichever it is. And again, my job is to unpack both of those suitcases side by side, and I'm going to let the process move towards, you know, the, the, the truth that's needed here over time. So I know you two feel pressure to sort of figure out what really happened, but for me, it's the opposite, actually. When I'm working with you, I'm rolling through your experience of this, and then I'm going to roll through your experience of this. I will always take time on each side, okay? So let me just jump back in. So that little phrase can help because, again, I think it's a lot of pressure on someone to hear their partner's assembly, which paints them in a corner. And it's not that they really don't want you to go through their partner's experience. They just don't want it to be the final story. And I like how you keep switching back between those two words because there's a difference, right? And I think that's something we were trying to talk about before here, yeah. like getting clear. There's a difference between story and experience. And not completely different because there can be experience within the story. Right. But like even from the research, we had Dr. Conroy on here and she pointed out during the cognitive part of, of clinical work, if you're just talking in a story, they are not synced up. Right. They don't um, – couples – and. and you know, that we're talking, relationships don't begin to get synced up until they begin to come into experience together is when they're a literally even they're uh, kind of you are in this research, right? Yeah. When their bodies begin to right. uh, sync up in experience. Right. So if I you're right, Ryan, I want to I don't know, like if you just let them stay a little bit in kind of like that removed story. Yeah. They're going to we can expect the reactivity to take over. Yeah. And the only way we're going to bring them into synchrony is to get into experience. Right. And, and by experience, I don't just mean going deeper with emotion. That's right. I'm even just even just discussing how attachment dynamics land for you. That's right. Even if it's cognitive, that's still very, that can still be very experiential. Mm-hmm. That's right on. Yeah. I think the affective assembly is doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it has meaning in it, mm-hmm. but it's meaning that is not just like, so we did this and you know, you took those extra 20 minutes to do this. And then the other person, it wasn't 20 minutes. It was five minutes. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh. And they just literally like, you're, right. you always lie about this. You never get time right, right. now. Like, oh gosh. Like now you're out of it, right? Yeah. Versus, but when in that moment, 
when you saw the clock time on the clock clicking away, what was that like for you? Well, I got nervous and I'm like, we always, I, I can never get this right, you know, and this, all these things. Like, right. that's a little bit of a different part yeah, there. For sure. Or when they block with theory and philosophy and, you know, gender stereotypes and you're supposed to do this and aren't you supposed to do that? And, you know, and it's just like so sort of disconnected from what's actually happening between the two. So that's that's, yeah. that's a good example. Oh, well, our clients will teach you well. Can I make it societal for a moment? Because yeah. the moment you said that, it makes me think about because I know we're if you're listening and you're in America, we're about to be in a whole election cycle. <laughs> it's, it's, sorry, you even hurt my deep breath there. Yeah. But you can tell a difference. Sometimes you watch a piece on the news or something like that. And it's humans talking to humans, even if they're on different whatever places so it's like it's like whoa look at these two humans who are different talking mm-hmm. and they're talking about their experiences as humans versus you're this and your policy is this and like oh gosh it's like oh man this is wearing out my yeah. nervous system i, I can't you. do it right so anyway. that's so right i mean it's like i hate to get political but the the not so many times i actually do listen because i don't very much and this is why all they're doing is telling you what the other person's doing wrong yeah very, very much, very, very seldom do you actually hear a true heartfelt vision that's not cliches or, or what the parties do, other parties doing wrong, which again, that's just a cycle. And you, even your body yep. pulls back into a protective state when you hear that. So, so, so if that's true, even on TV with candidates whom I don't believe in, how, <laughs> how is it really going to be even more true when two people are in my office trying yes. to make intimacy happen? Exactly. Good trend. Exactly. Is that because that's what the negative cycle is doing. And even when they, they think I'm just telling you a factual story, the problem is, is just telling your partner what they're doing wrong. Right. Wow. Right. Versus can I invite your partner? I've had to say that to a couple. Like, I appreciate that. But what I need to do is slow down with each one of them. This is probably the same speech you're doing now that I think about it. I need to invite your partner to see you in the midst of that story and to see what's happening inside of you. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? And what, in, even though they see so you do certain things, for them it just lands as something that's very blaming or it's kind of shutting down. But what they don't get to see is what's behind the action that they see. So can I take a moment and let them see that part of you so they can come towards you? That's kind of how I get down out of like this blaming story and allow my client. hopefully my clients will let me get back to work in a way. Yep. Yep. But anyway, so, so, I, full circle, man. Go ahead. Full circle. You can't do this in a way that doesn't create ruptures. That's it. That doesn't trigger people. Yeah. So part of this is like, you know, uh, borrowing Catherine Reams thing, which I've said on here before. You know, if I go out, you know, if I'm, if I'm like two minutes late, got to go to the bathroom, which sounds like me. And, <laughs> and, you know, I got an individual out there. I'm liable just to go get them. Like, hey, what's up? Come on, let's go you know, and, and run back to the office. But I know if I've got a couple, especially a stage one couple, I'm going to take a minute somewhere. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to get myself ready for, I've got to tolerate. This could come in very reactive. This could be a terror situation all the way to abuse. So they're not, that's, that's not as typical as you might think, but reactivity is real typical. <laughs> and, and I've got to be willing to come in there, especially on session six and session 10. And I've got to tolerate, hey, this is going to be, I'm going to have about two inches to drive my car down through here. That's not triggering people. Well, guess what? That's too narrow. I'm going to have to do some triggering. 
and I'm going to get into borrowing and repaying or, ru- or rupturing and repairing, whichever language you want to go. And so I'm going to have to have courage. I'm going to have to know that I can do hard things mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to go through this anyway. And um, so I, I think there's, there's, there's just no way around that. You just got to be okay with it. I like that. So thank you for bringing that full circle. So even as Ryan and I tell you these things and these tips and tricks, it's not to say like, but my client still got reactive. That's what we expect them mm-hmm. to do. And so these are just some ways to help you kind of learn how to work with it and stay attuned in the process. And hopefully you all get to pro- do better than James, where I spent so many years of trying to like, in a sense, yeah, I liked how I was still facing both partners because mm-hmm. in my effort to not validate you, but also I'm not allowing your anger that makes sense in context i'm not allowing it to come alive in in, in a in a way work with it in the cycle so, yeah. yeah man me too me too I, I did couples therapy for a decade before i had any real significant training in eft and you know i wasn't i won't say all my work was bad I, there's still some couples who i mm-hmm. see them every once in a while like hey you really helped a lot of things but when when you're um when you're so scared of triggering one that you don't do the full work in front of you, the cycle has you. Mm. That's the point. Because that's yes. exactly what the cycle does. It keeps it at the surface. It keeps it keeps it in a, a non-helpful story, a blame-oriented exit sort of story. See, I'm actually exiting as well. And it doesn't allow for the exposure of the rest of the attachment moves and then the really good stuff, which is the deeper vulnerable emotion. So when, when I will not, when I'm not willing to rupture repair or borrow and repay, the cycle has me, right? And that's my opponent. I'm not fighting against the clients. I'm fighting against what they're stuck in. I think that's a good closing note right there, Ryan. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, ryanraynertraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at Doc LPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Mm-hmm.